And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into an hour two, it's Hale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager. We welcome in our favorite Husker NFLer, Jeremiah Searles at Searles seventy one underscore HSKR. Searles, tell us about the uh, the tour, man. How's your uh, your winter been? Yeah, it's been busy. Uh, you know, I was in Florida at the beginning of the part for the Hula Bowl. Uh, then I went up to Minneapolis to, in the middle part to work with my alignment up at the gym. And then I just got back last night from Frisco, Texas for the Shrine Bowl. So been running and gunning and having a great time and really just fun watching your clients go out there and perform with what they need to do. Ran into Matt Rule down at the Shrine Bowl as well. So good to see him uh, down there supporting Omar Brown and uh, our long snapper. So always good to see him. And he was down there recruiting. So it was always it was a great trip. Sounds uh, sounds busy, but uh, pretty eventful, which is great. And we're not far away from spring, so it is the dreaded winter conditioning. Uh, dreaded uh, with a little question mark, Ron Burgundy style. But uh, spring is is here, and a lot of excitement for Riola, but also some of the new additions. What's your your take on some of the gets for Nebraska? And they may not be done for uh, for the last signing day either. Yeah, no. First of all, I loved winter conditioning. Like I thought when it's as hard as it is, like you're just grinding it out with your boys and then you're done, you go to class and you kind of just chill out. Like it wasn't, it wasn't this super awful all day thing. Like it's a really intense couple hours, but other than that, you're kind of just chilling. I mean, some of my favorite memories are sitting in the cold tub with the boys after a hard workout and everyone's like making fun of the kid who puked or the kid who passed out or whatever it might be. So I love that, but no, I've been super excited for, this class and you know even being around down talking to scouts and whatnot they all know i played in nebraska and, all, and, and a lot of them are like man hey nebraska put together a pretty good class so that shows me that nationally we're getting some attention too from the football scribes and pundits that are all around the league so i'm really excited about some of these guys that are going to come in i think spring's going to be a great chance to see some of this young talent who's going to be a contributor who's going to be a guy that needs some developing and so on and so forth but Overall, I think the temperature of the Huskerville should be really excited for the future to come. So, which group of guys do you think this particular winter conditioning is more important for? Is it those those guys that got some playing time last year, freshman year, guys like Malachi Coleman, Jalen Lloyd, Lynn Hart, some of the other guys in the defense? You know, a lot of coaches say you make your biggest stride in college between your freshman year and your sophomore year because of that winter conditioning. Or is it this group of early enrollees, this recent class that Nebraska got in because – by getting in early, they get themselves the winter condition. They get themselves ready for spring. Which group of guys do you think this next couple of months is more important for as you, you look at the rebuild as a whole? Yeah, no, it's definitely the year two, year three guys. I mean, those are the ones that need to take the big jump, right? You're no longer experiencing something new for the first time. You're no longer kind of swimming. You have experience under your belt. You're no longer looked at as a rookie. And for guys that played a lot of snaps, you're no longer looked at as a young guy either. Right. And so taking advantage of the winner and being able to be a good self scouter and going back and saying, hey, I needed to be better at this or I need to work on that. And then applying it through this time is extremely important because those guys can't afford to have a sophomore slump. Right. You can't rebuild if you're a freshman that went out and contributed this year, all of a sudden come out as sophomores and you're like, why do you look worse or the same? Right. Which is essentially worse. Right. Those guys have to make big strides. And I think with Corey Campbell and the process and everything he's put in, it's going to be really hard not to make big strides and it's less you're just not bought in. Like that's really the only way you don't make big strides in the winter is if you, you get out of it, what you put in it. Cause the plan that the staff and everyone's going to put in is all meant to for you to have the most success. Jeremiah Searles with us on Hill varsity radio, obviously winter conditioning, very physical, strenuous on the body. What type of mental edge do players gain from that kind of tough period of working out? I know you said it's only a couple hours a day, but it's a tough couple hours each day. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, it, it's definitely mental toughness as much as his physical toughness, right? The the strength coach and the coaches runs and the older guys are going to try and push the younger guys to see who breaks, right? Like that was always a piece of us. Like who's going to quit? Who's not going to touch the line? Who's not going to finish the drill? Who's going to make us restart the drill? And you start seeing as a whole, like who can we rely on in the fall and who's taking those jumps from maybe a guy that was a didn't touch the line guy the year before, but now he's a leader. Right, you can start to see that, and that's a little bit where that mental edge comes in. Of you're developing your mental toughness. Of it's fourth quarter, games on the line, two minute drill. You fall back on your training of the base that you built through winter conditioning. So all this stuff is important. All of it plays into a factor. A lot of it's just kind of evaluating where guys are at mentally as well. Well, with this winter conditioning progress uh, process and in, in progress, you kind of mentioned the fact that players get in what they put into the process. Mm-hmm. With winter conditioning, is it more player-led or more coach-led? Well, what, what is the, the more important factor there? Yeah, the coaches need to put together a phenomenal program, right? They need to have a program, whether it be six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it is leading up to spring ball, and calculate what they want to get out of it from a metric standpoint. As far as what it comes from a player-led, you know, the player-led is much more who's the internal leaders, who are the guys that are going to stand up and say, hey, follow me, I know the path. Like Ty Robinson comes to mind, Nash Hupmaker comes to mind those type of guys, and also who's going to take the step into that leadership role. These are where you really are starting to look for who your leaders are in the fall. But overall, the coaches run everything, and it's their job to have the program put in place. It's the player's job to execute. Searles, what are you expecting from the O-line? You know, I, with the God of the guys coming back, I'm expecting some really high hopes, right? I think Bryce Benhart played his best football of his career towards the end of the year last year and really throughout the entire year last year. Ben Scott coming back there, big guy in the middle, hoping that he's going to be a guy that can anchor it down for us. We bring in the transfer from Florida, the boxer. So hopefully he's not punching anyone at the 10-yard line. But, I mean, he's an extremely gifted athlete. You see it on tape all over the place. Teddy Prohaska having a healthy, healthy, non-surgical offseason can do leaps and bounds for him as well. And then you start filling in there of guys that have played last year that aren't just going to be penciled in and penned in as starters, but true competition across the board. And that's one of the first times I can think for a long time of going into a spring with multiple guys that have starting experience competing and making each other better so we can truly find out who the best five are going to be come the fall. And when you talk about that best five, Searles, what's more important with those guys in taking strides based on what you saw? Is that that physical? Is that 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 weight room element that they're going through right now? Or is it going to be in spring, getting on the field and getting that technique right? What do you think there's more refinement to, to be had with that group? I think it's both. I don't think you can take one or pick pick one. You know, you have to be big, fast, strong, physical to play offensive line. It's no secret. You can be as technical and talented as you want. If you don't got the, the lead in your ass, it don't matter, right? And so you got to put that in, put that work in during the, the, the winter. But then when you get out, you have to technically refine yourself as well. If you can be as strong as can be, if you can't control your own body in your pass set and the timing, then it doesn't matter. So it's definitely a combination of the two. You know, when last year so many times with the, the offensive line, it all went kind of south when one guy missed here or one block fall off here. So just getting the five guys that work the best together and communicate the best and the less MEs and then pairing that with being fast, strong, physical, which they all should be in this program. There's no reason not to be. That's where we're going to really start to see if we've made some big strides or not. Searles, uh, what can Glenn Thomas do for a, a, a true freshman quarterback or a guy like Harburg that, that's had limited development in his time at nebraska yeah you know i think you know talking about him you can just come in and install a culture you can come in and teach the way it should be done and you really get to build from the ground up 
right? So that that's for me is you want a guy that's going to build from the ground up, shape, mold, clay his way. And when you get to do that, especially with a young guy, you get to pretty much pick and choose, hey, this is my way of the highway. It worked or it didn't, right? So I'm excited for him to come in and just kind of implement his system. Thought on Raiola, the expectations, the pressure, the celebration, and, and you know, the, he's, he's moving the needle. He's making – Nebraska, you know, recognizable from a recruiting standpoint, you still got to produce on the field. Coach Rule and everybody knows that, but it's a little different feel now with uh, with a guy like Raiola committing and then being on campus. Yeah, you know, I treat I treat freshmen the same way I treat rookies. Until you've proven to me that you can do it, you don't matter to me, right? And as much as Raiola is great and fun, I love it. I've seen five stars flame out quicker than can be, and I'm not saying he's going to but I want him to come in and earn it still, right? I don't want people to treat him like the golden boy or the anointed one yet. Like, until you prove to me you can do it between the white lines and practice and then out on the game, you're just a guy, right? And I'm excited for what you've done and what you've built to this program, but I think that's the kind of mentality he needs to have. And it's going to be important that the seniors rally around him, the older guys rally around him. It's like, hey, you may be our guy, but you still need to earn it from us, right? That's just an important part of growing and developing as a player, not just as a as the guy right everyone can be the guy coming out of high school you got to earn it to your teammates and prove it to your teammates and then when they anoint you that that's when it matters when you talk about that sink or swim aspect Searles do you think this spring Rayola gets tossed into the deep end if you will oh yeah he sinks? oh he's gonna get tossed in the deep end with the lead vest on right like let's see if you can <laughs> swing young buck but that's what you got to do when you bring in a guy like this that the hope is hey you play three years and go get drafted in the top 10 right that's what that's what happens when you draft a guy like or bring in a guy like this that's the hope and the dream that he's so good he leaves for the nfl in three years you got to see what you got right away and understand where are we starting are we starting from ground zero are we starting from floor 10 or are you already built way up here where we're just refining certain aspects, but you really don't get that feel for a player. until you see him out there against 22, 23 year old guys that have been playing college football for four five, six, eight, ten 10 years, whatever it is now. <laughs> Cheryl Stantz on the Super Bowl chiefs and uh, yeah. they are going to, uh, you're, you're grunting chiefs and 49ers. I'm with you, sir. I, I mean, I really wanted a Ravens. I really wanted a Ravens. The Lions Super Bowl. That's, I mean, that's what my heart wanted. I think it's what America wanted. But, you know, we, we get Mahomes and Kelsey again. And as much as I don't want them to win, I can't stop. I have to stop betting against Patrick Mahomes. He's the best, right? I was looking up a stat today. He is now third all-time quarterback wins in the playoffs behind only Tom Brady and Joe Montana. He's 28 years old. That's He's nice. past Manning. He's past Roethlisberger. He's past, he's past all these greats as a 28-year-old. We're watching one of the best to ever do it, arguably going to go down as the best to ever do it. And, you know, he found his stride, and he's only been sacked once. So I want San Fran to win. I think they may be the more talented roster top to bottom, but 15 is the greatest X factor there is in the NFL. Teammate Randy Gregory could, uh, could oh, yeah. end up with a Super Bowl ring. Yeah, going from Denver and Sean Payton and that train wreck to uh, <laughs> one of the, best, the best pass rushing units in the NFL with, I mean, Chase Young, Randy Gregory, Bosa, Armstead, such a talented group up front for San Fran. Hey, let's not like the Broncos didn't have a six-week stretch this year where they looked all right, all right? <laughs> Hang the banner. Hang the banner. <laughs> Hang the banner. Searles, uh, last thought, what's coming up from you, man? I know you got some podcasts working and, and you're uh, – you're spending time with clients. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, so a lot more just pre-draft stuff going here off the road for a few weeks. Uh, we're still doing our podcast, the O-Line Committee, uh, O-Line Lifestyle Podcast. If you're interested, go check it out on YouTube or Spotify or Apple. 
Uh, would love for you guys to give me some feedback on that. We just break down tape, a lot of fun stuff there. But for the most part now, pre-draft, full steam ahead to the draft. The best city to visit during the pre-draft process is where? Indianapolis, Combine. Dude, the Combine's a riot. A riot. Like, it's <laughs> off-air. We have stories. Okay. <laughs> well, we got to hear some of them off-air. And yay or nay on the St. Elmo's. Do you hammer the uh, shrimp cocktail? Oh, n- n- yes. I hammer. <laughs> I'll make me cry. It hurts so good. <laughs> Searles, be good. And uh, we'll check in again soon. Thanks for a few minutes. I absolutely appreciate you guys. Go Big Red. Good to hear from Searles. The uh, Searles World Tour. Good for him, man. Uh, in the agent world, and then the the Nebraska football uh, analyst r- r- world as well. Just his thoughts on the Big Red. Find our podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, where you can download the show or catch the YouTube uh, version on video. Subscribe to the Hale Varsity YouTube channel and uh, Twitter at HVarsity Radio.